So Todd's an asshole, and he hates everything about movies that are good. You heard it here first. All right, thank you for tuning in to the Theater Cleaners podcast. My name is Todd, beside me is Dom, and today we're going to be talking about Sound of Metal. Uh, it's a great film that showcases the deaf community and helps to uh, have a guy that can actually speak as to what the film is. So, Dom, how about you give us a brief synopsis? Definitely. Um, I feel like every time we've done a movie so far, I've had some other experience in these different like cultures. I yeah. just realized. Yeah. I guess I just pick movies that I that I like to be able to relate to. I mean, I think that's how everybody picks movies and it's fair. if they're gonna get something from it. It's fair. So the sound of metal. Uh it's uh the brief synopsis is there is a our main character named Ruben is a drummer for a like indie metal band. Yeah, Ruby, Ruby, Ruby. Yeah, Ruby, Ruby, Ruby. Uh, and he starts to lose his hearing very early on in the film. Uh, and it's about his struggles. He's also an addict, so it's his struggles to stay on the right path and not let his life fall apart with objectively something really hard to come to grips with, uh, which is becoming deaf and how he learns to accept it and how he learns to be a part of that community. Um yeah, that's that's probably a pretty brief synopsis there, I think. Yeah, I Is there anything you should know that? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's just dive straight into it. Let's sure. get down to our initial thoughts on this film. Dom, do you want to take it away or do you want me to start us start us off? Uh I'll I'll let you go. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate that. That's it's yeah. nice of you. Well, personally, I absolutely love this film. Obviously the sound design is phenomenal. It does a great job of kind of mimicking what his condition may be and I'm I am very curious as to to know if that was very realistic to what Ruben was actually going through and what that character would be hearing at that point and I think they did a great job by making the choice to switch between distorted muffled and just regular sound I think it keeps the viewer engaged as well as you know gets you to feel for Ruben and puts you in his shoes beyond that I thought the cinematography was beautiful they did a fantastic job with the look of the film and obviously the story is the main driving factor behind this film like obviously all of the different elements that go into it accompany the story really really well but at the end of the day the story is the main driving factor it's not going above and beyond in all of these other categories because they don't want to take away or take purpose away from the main story definitely um I totally agree with you on everything you said. I'll just go run back over, like, what are my main, like, three things, really. Sound design. Sound design is one of the uh, most interesting things, like you said about this movie. Cinematography. It's simple. It's beautiful. It feels indie, um, but doesn't feel too indie, if that makes sense. It feels like the right look of the film for how the film feels. I fully agree. Yeah. I thought that. And I don't know how to explain it other than that. No, it very much has that mm-hmm. feel. Like, they're shooting in, like, random parking lots or a backwoods yeah. ranch or whatever. And it's like, they're not going above and beyond with these different categories. I think the biggest yeah. portion that they really invested in is their actors. Because they are some some maybe, like, B or C-list stars, but they're really good for what they do. And I think they fit into the vibe. And so I think the whole look, feel, and aesthetic of this film was really well done. Yeah. Um, and then my last thing is the impact and the importance of in the, the important part of the story is is about the deaf community. And like I said earlier, I have a lot of like experience with this kind of stuff. Uh, I don't actually have anybody that's deaf in my family, or uh, I'm not hard of hearing at all. But 
in high school, I had the opportunity to learn ASL and learn about the community. And uh, I just, uh, this film is a really good introduction to, to introduce people into that community and how these people see themselves and how they, how they live. It's, yeah, no, but this, this community is actually really interesting and how, how their culture is so much different. They're Americans just like us, um, unless you're watching out of the U.S., then not just like you. They have that culture, but beyond like normal American culture, which is which is a hearing culture in terms of like how how people of that community might, would would describe it is we're a hearing culture and they're a deaf culture. And a major thing in this film is throughout this whole film is deafness is not something to fix. You're fine how you are. You need to fix your 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 heart, not your ears. Yeah, and I mean their message that they mm-hmm. got across was really beautiful. Yeah, it really is. And um I guess we'll talk about it later, but people that choose to get uh certain surgeries that Ruben got and very much disliked in this film, it's totally fair and justifiable for yourself, but it's not it's not the answer to being deaf. You can totally be a full person being deaf. It's not a disability. It's it's uh it's just who you are. Yeah. It's not. It's not. It's not a problem. And sorry to take it on a, a little side tangent. Actually, I'm yeah. currently watching um, this reality TV show called The Circle. It's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. It's one of the only reality shows that I really get into. And there is a, a deaf contestant on the show, and it's actually became one of my favorite people to watch because Definitely. you learn a lot and you get to see how they interact. And they very much like being deaf is not a problem or something that needs to be fixed by any means, but it's definitely something that you're able to tackle and move forward with and be a part of that community while still excelling in the real world. Definitely. Um, I feel like we took a lot of time here just to talk about that to begin with, but I feel like it's one of the first movies we really talked about that had like a message beyond just being an entertaining film. Absolutely. And uh, I think that's one, I, th- I thought that was important, so I thought we'd take a little bit of time to talk about that here. No, I fully agree. I think it's it's very important to highlight what the film is doing and what it's doing for all these people. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I would actually naturally like to transition to is I want to hear your thoughts on, do you think this film is impactful or influential? Both, neither. I just want to know your thoughts on like the longevity of this film. Oh, I think it's... Uh... Honestly, so quick little story is for choosing these films, I actually brought up two two films about deaf culture. I don't know why. I just it's been a while since I learned about it, but I just these movies came to my head this week, and I was like, "Hey, let's watch one of these." And uh, we ended up picking this one. And I think this movie is very impactful. For it's a great medium. Film is a great medium for people to learn about other cultures, and I think this is a very, very good example of bringing people into the deaf culture. Uh, so I think this will, um, beyond just being an objectively very good movie, uh, being an important movie for people who are deaf to be represent to to be represented and let people understand their culture more. I fully agree. I don't necessarily think this is an influential film. But it's also fairly new, so we don't know if it's had a great influence yeah. yet. Yeah, it's but, 2020. Yeah, I mean, overall, though, I think it's an incredibly impactful film. Definitely. Like, it, it Definitely. does a lot. Is it influential in influencing other films to to use similar techniques? We don't know yet. Yeah. We don't know yet. But uh, is, it, is it important and impactful? 
definitely because i know for myself i would i would bring this up as like references for a lot of different things like oh not even for anything talking about the same topic just yeah it, and things. it's a great reference film definitely um so let's get into more film stuff now right yeah i feel like that's a natural segue how do you want to break it down uh uh well first of all ironically one of the best things about this movie is the sound design in it um it does a fantastic job at first in the very 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 beginning of the movie the first scene it's all of these sounds that we take for granted in our life a coffee pot dripping to make coffee um what are other things he's doing he's he's spraying his uh music uh mixer board with a compressed can of air just all these little sounds that you don't pay attention much to but you take it for granted you hear him you experience them it's just a quick little introduction into how he lives just like little sounds here and there i mean he also plays music so that's a big one um but the sound design just so many different choices about like sounds that you hear in this movie i felt like was felt like the the sound design was more prominent than like a normal movie but not like over the top but like you could definitely hear more sounds in this film than other ones i at least that's kind of what i got uh no like to that point i think it does a really good job of like you said showcasing some of the sounds and things that we take for granted but one of the main things that happens throughout the movie and down the line that makes you think back to the opening scene is when Joe is talking about the stillness. Like, it's once Ruben is kind of accepted and he's gone to the ranch with the deaf community and he has to sit down and write. Later on, Joe's sitting down with him and he's like, when you've been writing, have you ever had those moments of, like, stillness? And Joe is like, that's the closest you can get to, like, the kingdom of God. And I think even then, there's that sort of stillness where with your hearing... You can still have that stillness, but you you take note of all of those sounds, like the compressed air and making the smoothie and those kind of elements. And I just think that it does a really good job of putting you into Ruben's shoes. Like in the start of the movie, you obviously pick up on all of those sounds because there's not a lot going on otherwise with the sound. Mm-hmm. It lets the like the sound does a fantastic job of putting you in Ruben's shoes. And I think that's one of the main factors behind the sound that I really, really love. Like, it does a good job of making you angry when you can't hear certain things correctly and, you know, all of these different moments. And it's, obviously, the sound is just executed so well. And I, I can't commend them enough. Dude, yeah. It's beautifully done. And beyond just the normal, like, sound design that you see in movies, they also were super interesting choices made. So... When he starts losing his sound, how they decided to show that wasn't complete silence at first. It was actually that's something really interesting that we can get into later. But they chose to muffle it. They chose to make it sound distorted um, in, I would assume, a pretty accurate way. Obviously, I don't actually know. But when I've had plugged ears from like allergies and stuff, it sounds very similar to that kind of thing where you might be losing your hearing. You might be not have it as crisp, um, more of like a bone sound. Some, some deaf people have, like, you can hear, like, more deep vibrations. Like, if you tap on their, like, skull and stuff, they can they can hear that because it's more of, like, a deep uh, head sound rather than, like, specifically uh, vocalized sound. But it's really interesting because you get all the normal sound, and then when you enter Ruben's perspective is when 
you hear how he hears. And that develops differently throughout the film. At first, it's kind of like just muffled, not as hard as here. But then as the film goes on, it becomes harder and harder to hear. And then eventually, I guess it's kind of skipping toward the end, but I feel like it's relevant for this conversation. Eventually, once he gets the cochlear implant surgery, uh, that removes all hearing that you had left. There's no more hearing for you to hear. It's complete silence. And that's kind of where he gets in the end. It's just complete silence. Uh, He's living in that stillness. And yeah. I love the ending. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I guess we can talk about how they do that kind of stuff later. We'll probably cover that later. Um, so big thing that we talked about sound, sound design, super important in this film, super, honestly, pretty influential. I feel like will be influential in, in how people choose to make those sounds. It's not the first one to distort sound to, um, get into a character's like point of view, but this one did it really well. Oh, phenomenally. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to talk about is. Somewhat the cinematography, but more or less like the the look, the lighting, the aesthetic behind it, because I thought it was really, really well done in the fact of there aren't bright colors, nothing's sticking out, all the colors are muted, all the skies are gray, it's always dreary and cloudy, and it fits the vibe of what Ruben's going through, and you don't have any of those bright colors, nice days, any of that, until that ending scene. And I think that was something that really added to the story, because... Like, if you put yourself in his shoes like the film is trying to make you, you aren't going to be stoked. You're losing your hearing. You're not going to be stoked. The world's going to feel damp, muted. Nothing's going to be bright, fluffy, airy. It feels like his world's ending. Yeah, and I... Dude, I loved it so much. Like, even when they're in the diner and it's all muted and foggy and hazy. And also, I absolutely love how they justified the fact that it was always foggy in the area so like when Ruben's at the ranch they can't hear it but it always says in the subtitles down below it's like foghorn blows so they're nearby like a a body of water to what's creating that air pressure system to have the fog it's super dumb of me to like try to point that out but it's like they made an artistic choice and they found a very realistic way to cover it yeah it's set in Boston somewhere around Boston I believe yeah I thought it was like Memphis or Mississippi. No, I think it was set. Oh, so beginning, they're traveling all over the place. Right. But I thought when he calls the sponsor that the sponsor's like, hey, I found you like a meeting or a spot or whatever. And it's in Memphis or some shit. I don't know. I thought it was like Southern Plains. But oh, I thought I, I could have sworn it was, it was set in Boston. I could be wrong. Um, There's many opportunities where I'm wrong. Um, or just speculate. Yeah. Wait. I don't know. Uh, I didn't write this film. Uh, no, you're right. I think the cinematography in this film is fits the feeling very well. It feels indie without feeling like too indie. Um, and kind of how I what I mean by that is the locations they pick feel super indie, and it fits the vibe very well. And the cinematography reflects that in a good way, not in like a this feels like a student film way. It feels like very. I don't know. There's something about the cinematography. It's really pretty, but it doesn't feel like it's about the cinematography at the same time. 100%. And yeah. that's that's kind of what I was saying in my initial thoughts is like the story is the driving factor and all of the other elements accompany it really well, but they don't take away from it. Mm -hmm. Like all the scenes where they're driving in the in the uh, Airstream. It's not called an Airstream, right? Or an RV. Well, I guess it's RV. 
Airstream's a brand. But the Airstream's a brand. I thought it was an Airstream. Uh, but they're driving in the RV, nonetheless. Uh, and it's all these wide shots. And normally in in movies, you're not getting the dialogue from the characters. You're mostly just getting like, you're getting some music montage, something. This felt so important and like, they're talking. This is what they're doing. Pay attention to that because it stops. You can't communicate well. And I feel like along those lines of not being able to communicate, I know this is kind of jumping around a little bit. I got so much going on in my head right now. Um, the way... Sorry, I'm going to stick to cinematography, then we'll move on to what I'm trying to talk about. Sorry, I've got so much to talk about about this movie, it's, I'm just excited. Um, yeah, the cinematography is really beautiful. All these scenes where they're driving through, but it's not about that. You can tell that this movie is not about the cinematography with it being super beautiful. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you had any other thoughts about, about that, but we can move on to the next topic. I know that was kind of everywhere, but... I have a lot going on in my head about this film. I love it so much. No, I fully agree with what you're saying. Um, a counterpoint, or not really a counterpoint, but something I just wanted to bring up that I actually didn't like about the movie, and it's so small, it's so minuscule, it really doesn't matter, and it does not affect your interpretation of the movie or anything like that. I just wanted to say the title font, or the typography at the start, is so bland, it... It doesn't do anything. And the the way I can reference it the best is if you've ever seen the the SNL skit with Ryan Gosling about Avatar, and he's talking about the papyrus font that Avatar uses. And it I felt very much the same way as like when they were coming up with the typography for the title font, they literally just went into a Word doc, hit the hit the font drop down, scrolled down until they saw a bolded font that they liked, and we're just like, that's it. We're running with that. That's all we're going to do. We're not going to put any extra work into it. It's just going to be white wording, bolded on a black backdrop. Did you ever think that that might be because the voice to uh, text screen that they use in this movie has that font? Dude, that is a really good point, and I didn't think about that. And that that is really cool if that's the case. I have no idea if that's the case or not. I just thought about that right now. Maybe. Dude, if that's the case, that's really impressive. And actually, I really commend them for that. But if you don't pick that up, then what I said still stands. So Todd's an asshole, and he hates everything about movies that are good. You heard it here first. Last episode was Casablanca. This episode sounded mute. Sound of, I always want to say sound of music. Sound of metal. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, you're not wrong. If it's if it's for the reason I said, that's really cool. If not, I, I feel like that's not the biggest deal to complain about, but I love that you're passionate about things that are small. You, well, if you're if you're not passionate about everything, then you're not passionate about like anything, right? Are there any things, any shots, any elements that you really think that they did a good job of pulling off? Say it again. Were there any like elements, uh, shots, whatever? Do you think they pulled them off really well? Like how do you think they pulled off certain shots or elements? Because me personally, I don't think there was really much to pull off besides the sound design and having that land. I think for the most part, a lot of what they did was stock. Like their framing and the cinematography, it was fairly stock imaging. They they made it look beautiful. They did a great job in doing it. It was well executed, but there was nothing that they really pulled off. It's not like they're sitting there mm-hmm. with a big camera movement, rack and focus, you know, trucking in, all of that. 
Like it felt very stock for the most part, besides what they did with the sound design and trying to pull it off to have the effect that it did. Yeah. Other than the sound design, I have two things that I feel like they, they nailed really well is we were kind of touched on it earlier is the feeling of the film, the whole like kind of vibe style that it has. I feel like it nailed it really well. It was an indie vibe that feels kind of monochrome and, and bland without being boring. Um, and the performances and the castings and the the deaf castings that they had, I think were really solid. I think they really nailed the deaf culture, at least my understanding of the deaf culture, which could be could be misinterpreted, could be wrong. Uh, I am not part of the deaf culture, but I, like I said, I've learned a lot about it and I respect it very much. And I think it's, um, important for people to learn about it. Um, but I think they, as far as I know, they nailed it pretty well, um, in terms of the character's understanding of themselves, but also the outside look into it, I think is really good. Um, and it's, it's little details that you wouldn't need to add unless you were really caring about that culture especially from the outside so being in the deaf culture this kind of this will go hand in hand with performances i think um first of all uh what's his name joe what's his character's name paul or what, what's his actor's name paul uh paul something okay sorry uh how do you say that paul ratchy Sure. I don't know. But this guy, uh, Joe's character, he's he's a coda. So he's a child of deaf parents, deaf adults, child of deaf adults. Um, so he knows how to sign. That's like his life as his culture. He's an actor that that is a child of deaf adults. He himself is not deaf, but he understands that culture really well. So um, when they were making this film, a lot of actors... We're trying to audition for this role, but the director and the casting director were like, we don't want to choose somebody that doesn't understand the culture at all. We want to get people that really understand it. And they came across uh, people that were that are CODAs. And that brings a whole other ethos into this into this community. I think for Ruben's role, it's fine to have an actor that that's not part of deaf culture. And in fact, it's actually probably more important because then you get a better performance, him learning the culture as it happens. Obviously, it might not happen in perfect order because you're shooting films out of sequence a lot of the time, but it's still got that same idea. He's an outsider trying to trying to become part of that culture versus Joe. Joe is a fantastic character because his actor already knows the culture really well. And these performances are just so honestly, I think, amazing from from everybody involved. I don't think I saw one performance. I was like, eh, it's kind of like half-assed it's like phoned in unless you did the only performance i didn't love was lou yeah love lou's i don't know she didn't have enough going on to like really make the performance great i think she nailed what she was trying to do but also her character is so minimal within the story that it like i don't know out of every person that's within the film i just don't think her performance went above and beyond like everyone else's did that's fair. That's fair. Um, definitely Riz Am- uh, Ahmed's. I think that's how you say his name. Uh, who is Ruben? Had a fantastic performance. Oh my god! I think his his understanding of the character and his understanding of what the character would be going through and his 
in the end acceptance of it, fantastic performance. I think it it I think he won an award for it. Yeah, uh, uh, it won the film won an award for sure. Yeah, the film I think won multiple awards. Yeah, uh, but it, his performance is really good along with Joe's, along with any everybody else other than your your exception is is Lou's uh actress. I think I think she she had a great performance for um there's those moments where you're like watching their relationship and it's like it's falling apart but she still loves him kind of. Oh, and that I feel like those really well. Yeah, I feel like those that 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 scene where she's getting in the cab or well, I guess the Uber was was pretty was a, was a good was a good moment. Um but along with the performances is the acceptance of deaf castings and stuff. Uh, it felt really real. It didn't feel like you're watching a movie about deaf people. It's a movie that has deaf people. Like it's not. It's not about deaf. It's just a movie that involves people that are deaf. It didn't feel like it was. I don't know. It didn't feel like it was making a deal out of it. It felt like it was just. This is just what it is. I don't know what you got from that. No, I think they did a really good job. I think for the most part, besides uh, Ruben and Lou, I think a lot of the casting or a lot of the people that they got for the film are deaf or have some sort of relation to the community. So I think a lot of it was really authentic. And I commend them for that. Uh, With you just talking about all of this, though, it kind of sparked a thought into my head. And I'm like genuinely curious. And I hope this doesn't sound like insensitive in any way. I'm just curious how you would actually direct a massive cast of deaf people for a film. Because you can't call out marks. You can't, like, have verbal cues. You have to have some sort of sign or signing to direct all of these people. So I'm I'm just curious as to how, like, a day on set would have been, especially if the director isn't a part of the community but has learned a lot to figure it out. And they're obviously going to, you know, be delicate with how they work. But I'm just curious as to you know how they how they did that and how a day on set would have been. Um, I mean that question's fair. I don't think it's insensitive. I feel like you're trying to understand it. Um, but the the interesting thing is Joe's character he's hearing, so that's not a problem. Uh, he already kind of understands it, and he's playing a character that lost his hearing, so that's why he talks fairly normally and he lip reads. Um, that's a common thing that that people of uh people that are deaf that their parents aren't deaf end up doing is getting cochlear implants or uh trying to lip read because their parents don't know sign language so it's harder for them to learn but in joe's situation uh he ended up learning sign language his character did uh his actor already knew it from his parents but uh the reason why he talks normally and talks uh well justified in the story is that he was hearing, and this is common, people that lose their hearing and were already speaking normally have uh, better speech, better, better like, better vocalized speech because they already have done it for so long in their life that they that they uh, can understand how they're talking without, because um, they've heard it. They know what it sounds like. Um, but in terms of, like, actually making the movie interpreters i would assume um basically like a translator if you're doing a foreign film with foreign actors and you're speaking a language that they don't understand you get an interpreter um in terms of like cues and stuff 
I don't think there's anything like really specific that they like really needed to worry about too much. But other than that, probably just like uh, have an interpreter. Everybody's looking. They call action. Then they have like a few beats of a hold, and then they just start going back into action. Probably, I would, I would assume something like that. It's like your question's not insensitive, but it kind of brings up that like, oh, it's so hard to work like that. And that's kind of one of those things about the story is like, it's not. You yeah. just, you just, you just work around it. No, right? that, that was kind of my yeah. point. It's like I'm, I'm just curious what the workaround was because it's got to be like for a, like a director to be a person that isn't in the community having mm-hmm. to adjust how you would normally operate on yeah. your sets to accompany that and pivot for that. And I mean, they they nailed it. Like I love the entire film. I love the performances. I love what they did. And like I think they nailed it. But I just know that probably was a bit of a learning curve on the first couple days of shooting. Definitely. Uh you're you're probably right. I mean, I obviously I wasn't there, so I don't I don't really know what happened, but I feel like it uh it wouldn't be as hard as you expect. I feel like it pretty solid. Yeah. Um you just got to set the standard and then basically on from there. Get an interpreter mm-hmm. or a translator. It's what you can think of as an interpreter is. Um so are you ready to move on a little bit? Oh, dude, yeah, absolutely. Um, unless you had anything else that you wanted to particularly talk about. Because I've got something to talk about that's more culture-related. No, go for it, dude. Hey, it kind of fits with performances. Um, but the the introduction to deaf culture, when you're watching from Ruben's perspective, and he's sitting at a table when he's first there and you're eating dinner, and he doesn't know sign language yet, he's just kind of sitting there and kind of watching, and everybody's talking, everybody's signing... People are like looking around and they're having fun and you hear, and then you see them like slam the table and then you go to wide angle and like you're outside of Ruben's POV and you just hear the table like slamming and stuff and glasses and, and plates and stuff rattling. And it feels like really like loud and like obnoxious. That's totally accurate. That is so accurate to how, uh, deaf culture is. Um, something about deaf culture that's like really different from like our, our society is if you like want to get somebody's attention you like tap them on the shoulder or like kind of touch them so they can like understand that you're trying to like get their attention or if you're at a table and you're talking everybody's like talking you're having fun you like slam on the table because then people feel that vibration and it's not like rude that's totally like fine valid and fair like it's not like a problem and that's just i thought that was like i actually smiled like seeing that moment like there was no need to go wide and then show that moment other than to show like, this is how people live. This is normal for them. It's totally fine. That's not rude. This is how they live. They're talking, they're signing. Um, I wish I could sign as well as other people could, but my signing is awful. Um, because in high school, I didn't really pay attention and I didn't really learn it that well. No, I feel you. Um, yeah, but that, that, that whole like banging on the table and like, um, and just along with that other stuff, just like, I I don't know what, like if that performances or like what department that's in, but that's kind of, I guess that's not really like necessarily a department because that's something that you don't really like worry about. I guess it's more performances than I feel like it would like for someone to track that, that would fall more under like continuity or like realism or something like that. Yeah. Just like, like not necessarily like consultant. That's, yeah. That's deaf. Yeah. Um, I will say that scene, I did start thinking and I was like, dude, I really wish I knew and had a group or community that also knew ASL because how nice would it be to be sitting down for a meal and you can just sit there and eat and talk at the same time. Like you're not chewing with your or talking with your mouth full. You're just full conversation while you're eating your food. Like it's 
multitasking to a T, and I was very jealous of that. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, no, signing is really cool. Um, the There's also another moment. There's just so many things to talk about, like deaf culture in this movie, and I know we're kind of talking more about culture than the actual like movie at this point. The movie is so good, and I just looked at the camera that's not rolling because it ran out of space. Uh, but this movie is so good that I, there's not really stuff I can really say to like make it better. It's just like, if you haven't seen it, watch it. It's amazing. For a movie, even if you don't know anything about deaf culture, it introduces deaf culture really well. But there's so many moments in this movie that I was just like watching. I was like, wow, this is just like a really good example of that. Like the children in the classroom. First introduction, how does he get the teacher's attention? Flicks on and off the lights. How does the teacher get their attention? Flicks on and off the lights. And then you then you hear from the outside perspective, outside of Ruben's perspective, the kids are making like random noises because they can't hear themselves. They don't they don't understand that that they're like making noises, like like random like moans and like noises that they're like making and they their laughing is like audible that they can't tell. It's totally accurate to to deaf culture because it's just they don't hear it, they don't know it. And it's like it just it's like solid moments. And then the whole story is like it's not a problem being deaf. It's not something you need to fix. Right? It's I don't know. There's just so many good things. I guess this will tie in a little bit with it, but I, I just loved the like the course and the character development of Ruben and mm. dealing with this. And I think one of the big instances to where he starts to really get on board with coming to terms with being deaf is when he's at the slide it's right after him and that one kid leave from the the break di- dancing class that no one can hear like dude imagine how weird it would be to see someone like break dancing when you can't hear the music and you're just like why are you moving like this but that was just a side topic but when once it's him and the kid at the slide and he realizes like i can still drum through the vibrations and he's going back and forth with this kid I think that was like the first moment where he actually starts to come to terms with what's going on with him. And I thought that was like a really good moment. And then it immediately follows up with three to four scenes of him a little down the line of excelling with knowing ASL and interacting with his community. And then boom, it cuts to the next dinner scene and he's having those full conversations at the table. I thought it was a really well, well done way to showcase his character development in a short span of time. It's it's really well written in his character is really well written. He goes from hating hating the situation, understanding it, being scared of it, obviously, I mean, pretty understandably, to accepting it finally. And then when he sees the glimpse of what I guess it's mostly like Lou, like him seeing Lou again from the computer or like the email that he stuck on, he gets like back into that, oh, I need to get fixed again. And then, so he does the surgery, he does whatever, and then in the end, it's not what he wanted, right? It's, he realized, he realizes that he should have just been happy with how he was. Oh my God, yeah. And I even wrote this down, like, dude, imagine spending all of that money to get an operation like that and have it not work the way you would expect. Mm -hmm. Like, that, God, like, I think he handled it really well, but it's also like, damn also once he does finally go and see lou dude the that was some of my favorite performances they're like especially for lou like i commend the actress who played her because of the scratching like if you didn't pick up on it Mm -hmm. when he finally sees lou he sees her arms and he's like oh my god you stopped scratching this is amazing 
fast forward, they're in the bed later on, later that night, talking all lovey-dovey. He starts talking, and he's like, yeah, we got to get back on the road. We got to start touring again, all that. And then, boom, she starts just fucking scratching. I did not pick up. And in that moment, he's like, we're toxic for each other. Like, you saved my life. I saved your life, whatever. But we are self-harming each other by living the life that we previously had. And now Mm. we've grown up in this time frame, and we've basically taken separate trajectories. And he really picks up on that in that moment. And that's why it's a fucking beautiful ending because he like accepted. He not only accepts like what's going on with his hearing, but he also accepts that like your life is forever changed at that point. And you're not going to move forward on the same path as the person you were previously walking the path with. And I thought that was just a, a really beautiful moment. Yeah, I didn't, I honestly didn't pick up on a scratching board. That's really, that's really uh, deep. I didn't, I didn't see that. That's kind of sick. Like, they saved each other in the moment, and then now they're hurting each other without, like, trying to. It's not intentional. It's just, like, it's not right. Well, it's, like, how they saved each other's lives. Like, obviously, Ruben was an addict, and that's how his life got saved. She helped stop his addiction. She was in a very, like, dark place because in the initial, one of the opening scenes when she's laying in the bed while he's making all the smoothies and stuff like that, she's laying on the bed and her arm is tucked up on the pillow, and she has cut scars all up and down her wrist. So she was definitely a self-harming type of person, and I think the scratching was how she would cope with not doing that anymore. And once he realizes that, hey, all this time away from me, you've now stopped scratching, and you are in a much healthier place. And even he was in a healthier place, but he still they both had that drive of, like, you're my person, I want to be with you. And coming to that realization, I thought it was just a beautiful culmination of all of the events that their lives have like separated enough that that's no longer the best situation for them yeah 100 percent. yeah definitely um yeah this this movie is super well written i think that might be one of its best qualities is the dialogue um doesn't feel awkward or out of place none of the characters feel awkward or out of place they all feel like real people None of them feel really flat. I think you might have the exception of like Lou, but I don't even think Lou Lou feels that flat. I feel like she. No, I just don't think she was super dynamic. I think I think she's fairly dynamic. I just don't think we like see her character much. It's not about her. Yeah, it's not about. Her. Yeah, that's that's the only thing is like some of the other characters they come in and they you know they do their job, they do what they're supposed to do. But for her, it was just like, all right, I'm gonna help you. Okay, you need to get help. Now I'm off doing my own thing, and then boom comes back. She's in Paris and she's speaking French and all of that shit. And you're just like, whoa. I just thought of this right now and feel free to disagree with me. But it kind of goes back to that look that we were talking about earlier. This film almost feels like a documentary. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, this film, like every character in this film feels like you could look at them. You could watch them for like two seconds and you kind of already understand that this is a real person. This is... This is their whole life. This mm-hmm. is what they do. Um, I don't know. And that's not super common in movies, I would say. To be able to just, like, accept that that character's complete, like, that's just, they're just a person that lives in this world, and that's what they do. Every character. I, I can't say, I can't think of, like, one that doesn't feel like that, Um, unless you have any of their examples. Like, I feel like every character you see in this is like yeah i can totally believe that that's a real person 100 like 
that's not like somebody acting pretending to be this person that is just i don't know i just feels it makes the performances it makes the whole makes the whole fee film feel like really real and like raw and like i don't know i don't, I don't know if that uh if that makes sense to to you but i just kind of feel it like i'm just like nothing feels set up nothing feels like i don't know it just makes it really nice to watch because it feels 100 percent real it's authentic. even though even though it's not right like it feels you're right it feels authentic um so do you no. want to move on to a, a little more technical topic uh sure unless you have anything else to add no i just have the small like little detail thing that i picked up on but i can talk about that later no do it do it um do you remember early on, or not like necessarily super early on, but it's before he goes to the ranch and Lou is talking to him about like superimposing her face over the big scary clown tattoo to when they're driving in the RV and they're in the, like, I don't know, they're in like a yeah. downtown area. Yeah. The scary clown tattoo comes full circle into the last scene before he walks out the door in Paris because he's sitting on the edge of the bed and it's the only time you ever see his back and it's just the scary clown tattoo. He slaps on his shirt. He gets up and he walks out the door. I I did not. It was a very very like small detail, and I just wanted to like bring light to it because I thought that was like just something interesting. Like I love when movies do that kind of full circle thing where it's you talk about something in the start, you don't show it at all, and then boom, at the end of the film, you you bring it back up and bring it around. I did not catch that. I didn't catch that. That's cool. I liked it. Small. That's cool. Yeah, I like it. Um. Yeah, I just again this this world just feels real, like this character's world just feels really real. Um, yeah, and little details like that are reasons why it does. Yeah, I mean they created an entire like life ecosystem that these people are living and operating in. They did their best to make it authentic, and I I really think they nailed it. Definitely, not to mention um all of the technology that you see at like the ranch is all like real stuff oh yeah i fully expected and i think they did a great job of not having it be modern equipment like it's not a mac desktop it's not you know crazy technology it's just this is what our community uses i mean dudes dudes running a a a a house for deaf people there's not a lot of money in that probably oh definitely not so of course he's using older tech but he's using the tech that they need right so um it just feels real i don't know I think it feels super real. Uh, so, I think something interesting to talk about is how do you think they pulled some of the stuff off? And not how I think they did it. I kind of know because I looked it up because I was really interested. The Something you might be kind of surprised about. I don't know how surprised you might be about. But all of the different kind of audio distortion that they used wasn't like post-audio distortion. A lot of it was actually captured that way. So... Um, they used all kinds, the, the sound designer who's actually lives in Paris, I think, um, is, is some Parisian guy and it's worked on all kinds of stuff like, uh, 127 hours and other films and stuff like legit audio guy. Uh, obviously he made a fucking masterpiece for this movie. Uh, super willing to do new things not just distort it later in in post but used all kinds of interesting microphones and diy stuff that he made to create 
the sounds that he heard. So like an example that I have, which I thought was really interesting is the very beginning when he's like figuring out that he can't hear and he's like trying to like pop his ears and stuff. Like all those sounds of his like body was like used with an internal mic. So put like a mic in his mouth to like capture all that sound, like distort it along with like, like hydrophones, like microphones used for water. A lot of the sounds they got for like distorted stuff were microphones that are not supposed to pick up sounds in air. That's why it sounds really distorted. It's supposed to pick up in water. So it sounds like different and stuff. I thought it was just like really interesting. These techniques that could be used for all kinds of stuff to distort audio was, uh, I don't know if it's groundbreaking, but it's definitely creative and it's definitely pretty new. No. Yeah. I mean, as technology gets better, you're going to be able to do more and more and get equipment to be smaller and smaller. So you're able to pick up on things like that. And that's, that's one of the things that I thought was really well done because it kind of, once again, it puts you in his shoes, like with having those sounds and all of that and distorting it in the way that they did, they did it, it just really, uh, drives home the point of like, you're hearing what he's going through and you're experiencing it as he's experiencing it. And I mean, overall, like with the sound, I think they, they kind of went out on a risk. Like this whole film is sort of like a, I, I don't want to say like a tough topic, but it's a hard subject to tackle and do it in a way that it does it justice. Yeah. Without like feeling you're undercutting anything. Right. And without, you know, um, driving away your viewers because obviously I talked about it earlier with, uh, going from muffled, distorted and regular sound. Like with doing that, I think, you know, if they had just committed to muffled, muted, and distorted, you're going to lose a lot of viewers because they want you to start to feel, you know, aggravated or upset when you can't hear things the way you can. And that's like a technique to put them in, to put you into rubid shoes. But if they were to do that for the entire film, you're going to lose out on a lot of people because they're going to get angry. And they're like, I might be interested in this story, but I can't continue on if I can't understand everything of what's going on. So I think they did a great job of blending it to make it accurate while also helping to tell the story and keep viewers engaged. Along with that point, um, very hand in hand with that, is the pacing of the movie. I think every time... So what you're saying is how they mix those sounds together to make them feel like real and like... uh, not lose viewers was every time you almost start to forget that Ruben can't hear because it's like full audio. They always go back to it. They always go back to like, oh, here's distorted audio again. Here's here's muffled. Here's you can't you can't hear anything. Like almost in perfect timing every time. As soon as you like almost forget that that that's a part of the movie, boom, right back to it. I just think they nailed the pacing of that like really well. Like like you were saying, you can't like you can't target a movie to wire audience and only have sound like that because people, not that they're not going to care, it's just not how they experience the world, right? So it's going to be different if they're not going to enjoy it as much if they can't, like, get a mixture. And they managed to make the perfect, I think, the perfect uh, the perfect mixture. As soon as you, like, almost forget, it's right back to it. Mm-hmm. Then as soon as it almost feels like it's too much, back to normal audio. Yeah, I think they executed that perfectly. Yeah. And... Honestly, like, I did write something down about how the the film moves, and it moves pretty pretty dang well. I mean, there are moments when it's like, 
kind of dragging here or there. It's like a bit of a slower moment. Even then, dude, you don't want to leave or move away from the screen. You want to keep your attention focused on it because it's all of the uh, accompanying elements are all done so well that even if there's a moment that you're not happy with, there's still so much going on that will keep you invested. And I, I absolutely loved it. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I just, I feel like we've talked, like, have we said anything bad about this movie? I don't know if there is anything bad about this movie. No, I, uh, me, the font, the font, you don't, <laughs> and you don't like the font. I don't know. I just, I really enjoyed this movie. I think it, I think, I think it's an important film because it, it, it's a great way for people of a different culture to understand, uh, a culture that they might not be accustomed to. In a culture that not like you shouldn't be like, like worried about or careful of, but just understand at least, you know, mm-hmm. like you should be willing to understand that people have different things that they have to worry about in life than you do. Yeah. Um, and I think it does a really good job of that. I think this film's like really solid. Well, I guess the last thing I want to talk about, and it actually ties into what we talked about in our last episode, was with Casablanca and how it wasn't necessarily a super happy ending. Yeah. Like, the ending was one of my absolute favorites mm-hmm. in recent years, and I think it was beautiful because it ties this, like the character arc really well. Mm-hmm. Of, like, you have your trials and tribulations and all of that, but then it finishes out with his acceptance. And like I was talking about earlier, it's the stillness. He found the stillness. Throughout the whole movie, he never really has it until that last scene, and it's just still, and he's sitting in it, and he removes his... I don't know, you know the name of the... Cochlear implant. Yeah, he removes his implants and he's just sitting there and he's accepting what's gone on to him. It shows a lot of growth and it's not necessarily a happy ending because he doesn't get his life back to the way he wanted it. But, but he's content with it. Yeah, it's a still yeah. satisfying ending. It, yeah. is, it, it, is, it is really authentic in showcasing that and I just, I loved it. And especially with the with that scene having the the one shot that's actual bright blue skies there's a bunch of people out in the world having fun because if you think about it throughout the entire film whenever it's scenes of Ruben out and about within the world there's not really other people except for when he first goes to the pharmacy and there's the doctor or you know whatever it's for the most part it's Ruben on his own and I think it was great because then you see him out in the world and he's you know sort of interacting with people because initially he he doesn't have a way to communicate before he learns ASL and all of that. So I thought mm-hmm. that was a super unique and interesting tactic that they used that I didn't even really pick up on until I just started talking about this. Definitely. Um yeah. I think this this the resolution of this movie is very satisfying. Yeah. Even if it's not like oh everything's perfect, it's very satisfying. It's really nice to see a character like accept the bads along with the goods at the end of the movie it doesn't have to be perfect happy go lucky everything I think it's I think it's like super like you said at the end because the whole last sequence is just distorted audio from the cochlear implant right like we're watching his like POV and it's just all awful it's all it's like that's a crescendo it's a crescendo of awful sounding sounds and I think it's played up a little bit I don't think it's as bad as that I don't know though I'm not. I'm not an audiologist, and I'm not. I don't have a cochlear implant. But 
from my understanding, it's not that bad, but it definitely is along those lines. And for him, his character, it makes so much sense for him to see it that way, right? Like if he can't listen to Lou singing and playing the piano and that's agonizing to him, then that his whole life is just, that's not it, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I think that that ending is so satisfying once he finally accepts it because in, in the middle of the film, you're like, oh dude, he's accepting it. He's accepting who he is and he just defaults back. Is a Jamie Lannister moment where he goes back, right? But instead of Jamie Lannister never being able to like fulfill his like actual development, it, it, like Ruben does. In the end, Ruben gets to actually finally realize after like going and seeing Lou and realizing that's not his life anymore, he gets to realize that, you know what? I don't need to fix myself. He paid a lot of money too, and he was wrong. Um, sorry, with you bringing up the Lannisters in Game of Thrones, yeah. I, I just wanted to bring this up. Uh, I was, I didn't look into this, and I know it's a real quick Google. Lou's actress is... One of the Alice High Towers? Alice in the High Towers. Yeah, 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 okay, that's what I was picking up on. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I just wanted to say, like, overall, this is a phenomenal film. I would mm-hmm. watch it nine times out of ten. Yeah. It, it is beautiful, it's well shot, it's well executed, it tells a fantastic story, and it brings to light things that oftentimes people may overlook or not really know a lot about. And I I can't recommend this to anyone more than what we've said. Like, yeah. we haven't had really a single thing to say that they did poorly or was kind of bad within the movie. Like, overall, I would recommend this to anybody to watch yeah honestly i would that this movie it the best thing about movies is when it talks about something that's important and it's still a good movie to watch right like if you wanted to watch a moving story about somebody's like life changing this is the one to watch don't like if you want to watch an action movie it's not it's not gonna be it watch an action movie but if you want to watch a drama and you want to be like interested in somebody's life this is a really good film to watch this is this is one of my favorite, to be honest. And I mean, if at this point you guys haven't picked up that I genuinely am a huge fan of really good storytelling. Like I initially went to school to be a writer and I love the way people can tell these stories and this is one of the ones that really exemplifies that. So I mean, I'm always gonna talk about stories, storylines and all of that, but this is truly a really good one to to watch and learn from. Definitely. Um Should we send it out now? Let's send it out. Let's send it out. All right. Thank you for tuning in. This has been the Theater Cleaners, a 12 Midnight Podcast. I have been Todd. Beside me has been Dom. Uh, Next next episode, we are going to be talking about Battleship Potemkin. It is a great film that I watched in a history of Russian cinema class and has never really let it leave my brain because it does some things very well. And Eisenstein is a genius and helped to create the montage as we know it now. Definitely. Definitely. It's a little, it's a little different than The Sound of Metal. Oh, very, very. But, uh, yeah. So, I guess uh, all I gotta say is dos vidanias. Adios, amigos. I don't know what Dom just said, but thanks for, it's, thanks for tuning in. It's Russian for you, buddy. Oh. Because it's a Russian film. But, yeah. That's clever. Yeah. All right. Well, this is the end. Thanks, y'all. That's what that is. <laughs> oh, that's why you hate Casablanca so bad. It's because the writing doesn't make as much sense as you want it to.